now. All the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So Jesus told them this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, and he says to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found the sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. And he said, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one of them, doesn't light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, rejoice with me, for I've found the coin that I'd lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. The Gospel of the Lord. Who doesn't love to find something that they lost? Like a sheep or a coin where this morning's gospel is concerned. But maybe we'd tell about the guy who found his wallet, which had been lost in the city on the bus, in a taxi, whatever, full of cash, but returned intact, still full of money. Or maybe we'd tell about that woman who lost her chihuahua a few weeks ago, right, in our backyard. <laughs> she posted pictures and plea after plea after plea after plea on the New Pal Parents Facebook page. She hung signs around town. She set live traps, because it was a chihuahua, <laughs> in the woods and in fields even, and she begged for anyone and anyone to do the same. When the dog was found, she rejoiced, just like the woman in Jesus' parable, letting everybody, friends, neighbors, strangers, know the good news that what was lost, what was so loved, wanted, and missed, had been found, returned, was home again, safe and sound. These are some great stories about happy homecomings for sheep and chihuahuas, or about found valuables, coins, and wallets, as the case may be. We focus a lot on the words of Jesus that follow these examples, don't we? That stuff about the joy in heaven that comes when a sinner repents. Tied to the examples of lost coins and lost sheep, I think it's pretty easy then, and very common for most people to make intuitive leaps that say repentance is a prerequisite for being found. Like if you repent, then you'll be found. Then you'll be redeemed. Then you'll be worthy. Then you'll be saved. Like if we extend the examples of the sheep and the coins and chihuahuas and wallets to stand in for people, sinful people, like Jesus does, 
then it's pretty common, pretty popular theology to presume that one leads to the other. That one's repentance instigates their being found. That in order to be found, there must first be some measure of repentance. That in order for that sinner to be saved or to earn the joy of all those angels in heaven, they must first necessarily repent. But when was the last time you heard a sheep or a coin or a wallet or a chihuahua, for that matter, repent? They don't. They will not. They cannot. So I wonder if there's something more or better or different that we could be paying attention to this morning. What I'm saying is the things that get found in Jesus' parable are found thanks to absolutely nothing that they did to deserve it, to ask for it, to want it, or to know even that they needed to be found at all. I happen to believe, and I hope and I trust with all the faith I can find on my good days, that true repentance for many of us, sinners that we are, true repentance comes most fully when we realize that God came looking for us long ago in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and that we have already been found thanks to the reality of that kind, patient, loving, sacrificial grace. In other words, grace promises us the unearned love of God tells us that our repentance or any other good, righteous, faithful deed for that matter does not facilitate our salvation. Rather, the fact of our foundness means to inspire our repentance and any other good, righteous, faithful deeds that may follow our understanding of this really good news. I had one of those rare, profound pastoral care moments this week when I was asked to tend to and to care for and to pray with a family I didn't know who was losing someone due to a tragic mix of bad health, bad luck, and a bad mix of cocaine and meth, too. There was an overdose, and there was a coma, and there was a loss of brain activity, and a really hard choice for the family about turning off life support. The family member who asked me to make the visit was struggling with what to tell the dying man's grown children. There were lots of questions about the choices he had made, and not just the choices that landed him in the hospital this past week. And there were questions, too, about the state of his faith. Did he have it? About the prospect of his redemption. 
about how lost was he and about how likely he was to be found in all of this, if you will. And I found myself telling the dying man's children something as we gathered around him in the intensive care unit to pray that seems relevant and worth sharing with all of you, too. And that is that no matter what, there was about to be a miracle for him. That on one hand, maybe as he lay there lifeless in the ICU, his test results would come back differently than anyone expected. That there would be brain activity somehow. That he would survive what seemed unsurvivable. That he would defy all the odds that were suddenly stacked against him. That would be one kind of miracle for sure. But the other thing that would happen, should the first miracle not pan out, was that God would be waiting for him on the other side of heaven. In spite of his bad choices and bad luck, in spite of whatever faith he had or not, in spite of the repentance and change he could never seem to muster on this side of eternity, God's grace would be looking for him and waiting for him and ready to welcome him like a shepherd searching for a lost sheep, like a woman desperate to find her lost coin. And since the first miracle didn't come to pass, and because none of the doctors nor all of the science in the whole wide world could save him, I'm certain that the second miracle has happened for him just like it will happen for all of us, for you, for me, and for every one of God's children, whether we deserve it, whether we look for it, whether we want it, or know even from what it is that we need to be saved. Because nothing, no thing, can or will separate us from the love of God in Jesus for very long not hardship or distress, not persecution or famine, not nakedness or peril or sword, not death or life or angels or things present or things to come, not powers or heights or depth or things present or things to come, not cocaine or meth or lack of faith, not heart attacks, strokes, or cancer either, not bad choices or bad luck or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I think we're meant to be changed by that. Right here, right now, always. To repent and to be changed by this grace and good news right where we live on this side of heaven, not in order to be found, not so that we'll be saved, not because we want to be redeemed, but God wants the good news of what has already been done in Jesus to transform us in every way so that our lives will be fulfilled 
so that we'll live as a blessing for the world around us. So that the joy of all those angels in heaven will be alive and well and in us and through us for the sake of this world. So today, let's acknowledge how lost we all are or have been or will be someday, each of us, lost sheep, lost coins, sinners, whatever. And let's be grateful for the abundant grace of God that seeks us out in Jesus, that searches far and wide in Jesus, that finds us and forgives us and loves us in Jesus no matter what, and that moves heaven and earth to bring us home. Even if we haven't moved a finger to help, by the grace of God in Jesus, crucified and risen for the sake of the world. Amen.